what in the world is that? There, I had this bright idea. I'm like, let's talk about, for the next four weeks, all the stories in the Bible that deal with hair. It would be fun. We'll talk about Absalom. We'll talk about Mary. We'll talk about Esau, maybe even Samson. We're going to talk about hair because in the Bible, there are hundreds of verses just on hair. It'll blow your hair back. How amazing as we comb through the scriptures. How many of you are liking these dad jokes? Yes. But hair, we're going to talk about it starting today. People comb it. People cut it. We color it, dye it. We do everything we can just about keep it. I mean, we'll do anything. And for the longest time in my life, I'm embarrassed to say, but up until my 20s, I had never had a haircut by anyone else other than my mother. And she is a hairstylist. And uh, she was in the first service. She's here. She's in town today. But I, I've never had, probably till about 28 years old, I had never had my hair touched by anyone else. You know, it's kind of like Samson and Delilah, you know, like, anyway. But anyway, um, I finally got a haircut. I had needed one really bad. And I finally went into a barbershop. I'd like, you know, came in like some of you came into church today. You're like, was the, you know, was the ceiling going to cave in? And I've never been to a barber. And he's like, hey, man, well, how do you want your hair? I'm like, I don't know. My mom always cuts my hair. I'm a mama's boy. She cuts my hair. And then, you know, he did a pretty good job. And he's like, okay, that'll be 50 bucks. 50 bucks? I've never paid any money for a haircut before. I can't believe 50 bucks. Ladies, you pay in astronomical amounts hundreds of dollars for crying out loud. Hundreds of dollars we're talking about. I don't get it. But we tell our hairstylists, you know, intimate parts that we would never tell anyone else. We're sitting there in the chair and we just start talking. I don't like to talk, but some of you like to talk and you just tell them everything that you would never tell anyone else. But hair, it's an intimate part of who we are. The average person has between 100 to 150,000 hairs. And you know what God says? He knows a lot about your hairstyle and my hairstyle. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Jesus was talking to his disciples one day, and he was talking about fear. And the reason why he was talking about fear was because people were being persecuted for following him, being associated with him. So there were some fickle followers who were fans of Jesus, but when the pressure came on and people pointed them out and said, you're a Jesus follower, aren't you? They said, oh, no, I don't know the guy. And so Jesus was talking about fear because people were being persecuted. And he, he begins to talk about sparrows and he talks about hair. And, you know, even persecution still even happens today. For those of us who are associated with Jesus, you can be canceled for talking about, you know, things that we stand on the word of God and what the Bible says and biblical values. I mean, you could be canceled for being a Jesus follower today and speaking of what the Bible says. Well, for this very reason, Jesus began to speak about how to deal with fear. And he brings up two random subjects in the gospel of Matthew chapter 10 that we're going to talk about right now. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 10. Otherwise, there will be a big Bible on the screen that comes up behind me. But he, bring, he brings up some sparrows. I love Jesus because 
he uses an illustration every time he teaches. He uses some sort of prop or an illustration or he points to something. And he probably saw some birds flying. He said, oh, perfect. Let's talk about sparrows. And he would speak in the street language of the day, which was Aramaic, which everyone could connect with and understand. And so picture Jesus sitting down. He's with his squad, the disciples, and he's talking about fear and he's talking about sparrows. And he probably saw some birds flying around. And the moment he mentioned sparrows, poor people, and everybody began to speak up because sparrows, everyone ate sparrow back in the day. I mean, they made sparrow quesadillas, sparrow fajitas. They cooked it up, sparrow casserole. Everything you could think of they made with sparrow. Sparrows were like the go-to food. They were like the ramen noodles of our day. They were so affordable. You know, you could get one sparrow for a penny. You could get a bag of sparrows for a dollar. And when Jesus said sparrow, the disciples leaned in and everybody started perking up in their seats, on the edge of their seats. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. He says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him, God the Father, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So he's talking about sparrows. He's talking about heaven and hell. Anytime you talk about heaven and hell, people are going to start listening because those are subjects that always gets attention. And by the way, just pause right there. I want you all to know that we choose heaven or hell. God does not send people to hell. He does not send people to heaven. He gives us free agency. Uh, today, I am I'm a proud um, fantasy football fanatic, and uh, I'm going to have a draft party right after this service. So I just want you to know we're going to hold a prayer service right after this for my fantasy football team. But um, <clears throat> right now, in, in, ma in major league sports all over the world, there are free agents. There are guys who get to choose what team they want to go to play for and all those things. Well, we have free agencies as human beings. We have freedom of choice. We get to choose our eternal destination, whether it be heaven or whether it be hell. And we've lost in our culture the fear of God that Jesus was speaking to when he was talking about fear. In our culture, there's, there's not really a whole lot of reverence anymore or the fear of God. And Jesus is saying, man, when we, we should fear God because it pretty much deletes all the other fears. If you care about his thoughts more than anyone, anyone else says, it, it's a whole lot better. I mean, of course, we're going to have concerns and things. But if we think about God and his sovereignty and his power, we shouldn't really fear anything else. On the other hand, when we don't fear God, if we don't reverence him, we should fear everything. And so we hear it all the time. Have you, maybe you've said it. Maybe you've heard someone say it. We're all God's children. Have you ever heard someone say this? Maybe you've said it too. And it sounds good. I mean, it makes us feel nice, but it's really, that's not what God's word says. It sounds good to say, man, we're all God's children, all of humanity. We are family, you know, all my brothers and sisters. It sounds nice, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are all humans created by God. We are created beings. We're creatures of God. The Bible says that we all belong to him because he fashioned us and he formed us and he knit us together in our mother's womb. The Bible says we were made 
by him and for him. We are made in his image, made for his glory. The Bible also teaches that God loves all people and he longs to be in a relationship with each and every individual. He is in pursuit of you and me and everybody. In fact, he desires so much to be in relationship with us that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. But the Bible makes a clear distinction between those who are children of God and those who are not. Children of God are people who have bowed their knees and opened your heart and said, Jesus Christ, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. You are my Lord and my Savior, my God. Then, when you receive Christ by faith, through through. By grace, God's grace. You receive his grace that you don't deserve or earn by faith. Man, then you get grafted in to the family of God. I hope this is making sense to you because I think there's a lot of misconception about there. And so Jesus is talking about fearing God and he's clearing the air about what it means to fear God. He said, God loves everybody, but you're not all his children until you take that step and you say, Jesus be my Lord and Savior. Then you become a child of God. And then he continues in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. And Jesus said this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. I love that. God knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. God knows when your cat whacks it out of a tree and eats it. God knows that and even sees that. That's how in tune and into the details God is. Then Jesus says in Matthew 10, 30, and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So check this out. Not only does God know how many hairs are on your head, but they each have a number. They all have a number. So don't be afraid, Jesus said. You are worth more than many sparrows. Even the most minute detail of your life, God is concerned about you. If God cares about even the birds of the air, and you're way more valuable than them. Jesus is saying before the foundation of the world, God knew you and he even counts the hairs on your head. That's how much God cares about you. If you were wondering how much God really cares, he cares a whole lot. Let's talk about the greatness of God. Not only does God know the total number of hairs on your head, but each hair has a number. And then God shows us a little bit of his knowledge, a little bit of his omniscience, which means he knows everything. A little bit of his sovereignty, which means he has supreme power. A little bit of his providence, which means he is the ultimate protective care. You can hide under his wings, the psalmist says. He's majestic, but he's concerned about the tiniest detail of your life. So what is it that concerns you? God is, cares about what concerns you. He, he wants you to cast every anxious thought upon him. He wants you to cast every care upon him. He said that if you come and follow me, Jesus said, I will, I will give you a, a burden that is easy and a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. I heard about a guy that was really concerned. He was really concerned about paying his bills and he was desperate for a job and he was willing to do pretty much anything. And he heard they were hiring down at the local zoo. So he went down to the zoo and he put in his application 
And the zookeeper looked him up and down and got really excited because he was a very tall, large man. And the zookeeper said, I don't want you to be offended by this, but recently one of the gorillas died of old age and we've ordered a new one. He's on his way, but would you be willing to put on this custom gorilla suit? Now, hold on. And just pretend to be a gorilla until the real one arrives. This is a true story. No. And the man said, I'm desperate, but not that desperate. And he began to walk away. And the zookeeper said, wait, 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 we'll pay you handsomely. And told him the amount. And the man said, all right, I'll do it. So day one comes and the man puts on this hairy, itchy, sweaty gorilla suit. And he's like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And no one's going to believe me. But he goes out to the gorilla den and uh, he's sitting there and people are watching and so he moves around a little bit and people are like ooh ah and little kids are up against the glass and so he's like you know doing the thing and people are really excited about it so day two comes and he's like I'm gonna give this a little bit more oomph and so day two comes and now he's moving around you know and he's you know, beating his chest with a little bit more confidence. And he's like, I can't believe people are, people are into this, man. And he's feeling good about himself. Day three comes and he's like swinging. Now he's like on the ropes. He's like, woo, you know, and he's, he gets so excited. He swings over the top into the lion's den. And so he starts freaking out because the lion is coming at him with this hungry face and he can't help himself. And he cries out, help. And the lion says, shh. Shut up, you'll get us both fired. And that has nothing to do with my sermon except for (laughs) laughter is good medicine. And I wanna talk about, for the next few moments, three things. I wanna drill down on that one simplistic but deep phrase about God knowing the number of hairs on our head. He is concerned about your concerns. The first thing I want you to see is the foresight of God. The foresight of God. God knows everything, past, present, and future, because he's God. It's the foresight of God. He knows everything. He doesn't have to gain any knowledge because, well, he already knows it all. He is God. He is knowledge. His knowledge is infinite. And if you just think about infinity, it'll blow a fuse in your head. It just will blow your hair back. We can't really understand it or wrap our minds around the foresight of God and just the magnitude of the God that we we serve. In fact, if we could understand the mind of God, well, he wouldn't be God anymore, would he? You might be going through something and you're probably thinking, man, you think God really is concerned about this test I have to take online in a couple of days? Yes, he is. You think God's really concerned about the person I'm dating? Yes, Do you think God's really concerned that my paycheck is down like 5% compared to last year previously? Yes, he's concerned. God is concerned about the minute details of your life and mine. And let's just say, for example, hypothetically speaking, you were the only person left on planet Earth and it was just you and God. What if God could give you all of his love and attention just to you? And you're like, that'd be amazing. I'd be the apple of his eye. I'd talk to him and he would talk to me and we would spend time together and he was, there would be nothing that would pull his attention away from me. It's just me and him. And you know the truth is, that's the kind of relationship you and I can have every single day. There are eight billion people on this planet, but God is so big that he cares about you like, just like that. 
you can have that kind of relationship where you can walk with God and talk with God and meet with God and hear from God and spend time in his word and he can test you and, and he can challenge you and he can whisper to your heart and bring conviction and challenge and give you wisdom and insight and open your eyes and lift the veil for you to see the way that he sees. It's amazing. And the psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 139, verses 17 through 18, he said, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They can't even be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Psalm 56, 8 says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. That's how great God is. He's prolific and he's specific. And his knowledge surrounds us and sometimes just confounds us and we stand in awe because God knows what we're gonna say before we even say it. He knows what we're gonna think before we even think it. He knows what we're gonna do before we even do it. And within that framework, we have freedom of choice. God knows everything, but he's given us free agency. Freedom of choice. Do I understand it? Nope. And you never will. Don't even try. He is God and we are not. He exists outside of time and space for he created it. And so within his sovereignty and within the providence of God, I've got a choice that I get to wake up every single day and I get to make choices that God has given me the ability to do. Here's what I know. Everything happens in this life Everything that happens is either caused by God or allowed by God. There's only two choices. There is not a third option. It's either caused by God or allowed by God. Well, wait a minute. Pastor, you mean to tell me that God knew I would be born into the family that I was born into in the city and he let that happen? You mean to tell me that he knew what kind of laugh I would have and the walk and the gifts and the strengths and the weaknesses? Yes, but within that, you have a choice, and I have a choice. Did God create evil? No. But he created Lucifer, who was an angel in heaven, who was a created being. He had a job and a purpose. Most scholars believe he was one of the main worship leaders in heaven, leading the choirs of angels. He was beautiful. And what happened to Lucifer? He got all puffed up with pride and said, I want to be like God, and in the book of Isaiah is the six I wills. I will be like God. I will make myself like the most high. I want to be in charge. I want the throne. And he tried a kingdom takeover in heaven, and God kicked Lucifer, Satan, out of heaven. Jesus said, I, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So Satan is plummeted to the earth, which was formless at that time. It's like a giant swamp. And then God created man in his image, and we have Adam and Eve. And what did Adam and Eve choose to do? They were tempted by Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the serpent, and they ate of the forbidden fruit. They rebelled against God, and now we're still receiving the consequences of their behavior. Thanks a lot, Adam. Thanks a lot, Eve. Sin entered the world, and now we live in a fallen broken world. So why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a fallen world that is sin-filled with sinful people. You and I are one of them. And if you thought you came into a perfect church, 
welcome to reality. It's no longer perfect because you walked in. And uh, if you're looking for if you're looking for the perfect church, you just will not find it because the moment you walk in, it's it's done. I was talking to a friend of mine several months ago, who's not a believer, and he's kind of teetering between. I believe there's a God, but not sure if I want to devote my life to Him. So he's on the fence, and. He was asking me about the suffering in the world and he was asking me about disease and how bad things happen to good people and, well, it's a good question. And I just responded, man, it's not God's will for bad things to happen to good people. But man chose to do his own thing, which is why Jesus came, to set sinners and lost people free. And we live in a fallen, broken world and the Bible says that it rains upon the just and the unjust. So bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people sometimes. I believe in healing. I pray for healing. I pray for people that want to be healed. But sometimes people are healed by God and sometimes people are not healed by God. Some of the best men and women of God that I know prayed for healing and still died an excruciating death. Does that mean God is no longer good? Does that mean God is no longer faithful? No, it just means we live in a broken, sin, fallen world. And I'm not throwing to throw some doggy sh- you know, downer on you. I'm just trying to tell you, hey, I, I'll pray for healing, and I believe God can. He is fully able. But I'm saying what the Bible says at the end of the day, like Job said, Lord, I don't understand, but your will be done. It's the same kind of prayer Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross and he knelt down in the garden and he knew that the cross was before him. He knew he was about to be crucified, beaten, battered and bruised and killed. And he kneels in the garden and he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. In other words, if there's any other way, I don't wanna go through this pain. But in the same breath, he says, not my will, yours be done. So even when there's questions, we surrender to the will of God. It's called faith. That's what Christianity is. We walk by faith and not by sight. And every single day, you just take one step in front of the other. And you're like, but God, if you would just give me the full blueprint. And he says, just take one step and just keep following me and keep trusting me. God knows. And it's an easy thing to say from this platform. It's quite another thing to live it out, but that's the Christian life. And so we say, God, why? Lord, why? Why this situation? And we have to trust in the foresight of God that he is God and we are not. And the Bible says that one of the things that we'll see when Jesus comes back for his church, his bride, is it describes hair. (laughs) Jesus's hair will be flowing white like wool, white as snow and on fire. Here's the, thing, the second thing I want to point out. Not only does God have foresight, but look at the insight of God, the insight of God. God knows it all. He knows everything. He knows your wicked ways and mine, and he still loves us. That is just amazing to me. I mean, I could see how he could love me, but you, you know, no. Are you kidding me? I'm the worst of the worst. He knows about your cover-ups, and he knows about mine. He knows about the things that have happened to you that were so hellacious you can't even talk about. He knows and he cares and he loves you. We don't serve a God or a savior that is far, far away. We don't serve an unknowable 
detached deity somewhere within the universe. No, he has a name. His name is Jesus. And he was fully God and fully man. And he felt every emotion that we felt because he was fully man, but he was also fully God. So he was tempted, yet he did not sin. No matter what you're going through, whether it be death or disease, a bad report from the doctor, or maybe your spouse is leaving you, God understands and knows your ways. He knows your wounds. God knows our secret works even. So when you do something that is good and you look around and no one saw it, God sees it. That's why it's important to be a person of character and integrity and honor him even in the, in the secret places where no one sees. When you give an offering to the church and to the work of the Lord and no one knows, God sees and he's a rewarder of those who are faithful, who trust in him completely. Yes, God sees everything. And the psalmist said, he's just delighting himself in the Lord. He said this in Psalm 139, verses one through six. As the worship team comes, we're gonna get ready to close here pretty soon. He said, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The psalmist is just standing there like, oh my goodness, jaw dropped. God, you're awesome. You know every detail of my life. And so if you're here today and you're seeking God, I'm seeking God, I wanna know him more every single day. We not only, not only does God know everything, but he's made himself knowable. You can open up the word of God and begin to know who God is and what, is, how, what his heart beats for and how much he loves you and the plans that he has for you. Have you ever wondered, am I valuable? I've, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, God, how valuable am I? And 100% I know I'm valuable because Jesus Christ went to the cross for me. And his blood is a badge that says, you matter, Matt. You matter. So all we have to do is look toward the cross and we realize how much we matter to God. I think about Job in the Bible. When you open up the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a book of the Bible called Job. It's not Job, okay? Some of you are like, oh man, I need a job. Well, maybe this book will be a good book to read. It's Job, okay? It's about a man who was faithful to God, but went through every bit of pain you could ever imagine. So let me tell you about this man named Job. Job had dealt with natural disasters that hit his home and his farmland and all of his possessions got wrecked and pirates came and stole his cattle and killed some of his cows. And then his sons and daughters were killed in a tornado, every single one of them. And then his friends come and Job is sitting there and he's grieving and his friends offer him terrible advice and say, Job, you must have done something to tick God off. I mean, he must not love you very much. What did you do, Job? What did you do, Job? <laughs> I mean, his friends were just not an encouragement at all. And his wife is yelling at him, why don't you just curse God and die is what she says. Just curse it. What good has he been? Why should you worship him? Why should you continue to follow him? What benefits have you gotten, Job, from giving God your all? And yet, here's Job. He says this in Job 1, verse 21. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. 
but blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, how many of you can say when everything's taken away, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, and he, we love to say it when the Lord gives. Oh, the Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But what about when everything's being stripped of you? Can you say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Job was basically saying, God, not my wills, but yours. I believe in your foresight. I trust in your knowledge. And I know, I know, I know that you are still good and you are faithful. I was on a, the beach this past week and there's about 10,000 people there. And you take your hand and you run it through the grain of sand and you just do this. And the Bible says that the thoughts that God has towards you, not only does he love you, but he likes you, is more than the grain on the sand. You can't even count it. And I just took one handful and I couldn't count it. And I look at the entire beach. I'm like, God, you care and you love me that much. You, your thoughts towards me every single day are like that. And then I sat back and I thought to myself, wow, whoa, the knowledge of God. I trust in all kinds of things all the time. I get on airplanes and the pilots are people I've never met before. And I'm sitting there in the seat, ready to go. I'm like, woo, it's gonna be a good, it's gonna be a good flight. And I'm trusting in that pilot who I've never met. I don't even know if they've been to flight school, you know? And I'm just getting on that plane and I'm going for it. And I'm thinking this question, why do we have such a difficult time trusting in God who knows everything? Why? He's the author of time. He's the, he's the creator of all things. He has all knowledge. And we are con complete control freaks. And we think that we can white knuckle with God and hang on to things. And, you know, God, I don't know if I can surrender this to you because uh, I don't know how you're going to do with this. I don't know if you can handle it. And God is saying, would you just hand it over already? I mean, let go of the kung fu grip for crying out loud. Just trust in me. Be still and know that I am God, the foresight of God, the inside of God. And last, as we get ready to close, the delight of God. God cares about the minute details in life. God cares about us from now into eternity. And God cares for us during times of sorrow and suffering. How many of you know life seldom works out exactly the way that you had hoped or you thought? <laughs> but God has a way of turning all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so again, I think of Job. He lost everything. And he says this in the book of Job chapter, or it's recorded that he says this in Job chapter six, verse 11. We don't even know who the author was, perhaps maybe Moses. Job says, I don't have the strength to endure. Have you ever been there? I don't, I'm just, I'm done, God. I, I'm, I'm throwing in the towel. I am, I've got nothing left, sir. I have nothing to live for, nothing to get up in the morning for. I'm utterly helpless without any chance of success. I've lost everything, God. Uh, what else are you, what now, God? What else is there? Do you have anything else? And he's just like the ultimate Eeyore in that moment. But he stayed faithful. Even when his wife said, curse God and die, God said, oh. Job said, I, I trust you, Lord. I don't, I've lost everything, Lord. I've got nothing left. I have no energy, but God, I trust you. And what did God do? He restored back everything that he had lost 
and then some. He blessed him so overwhelming that Job stood there like, oh my goodness, Lord, you're too good, you're too good. And then Job began to say, he said, I know the God that you can do all things. There is no purpose of yours that can be thwarted. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And so if you've ever gone through a trial or some sort of tribulation, or maybe you're even going through something now, you might have heard of God, but when he brings you through that storm through the other side, now you can say, now I've seen you, God. I've seen your hand on my life. You've protected me. You, you've closed doors. You've opened new ones. Your hand has been upon me. The foresight of God, the inside of God. God, I delight in you and your will be done in my life. I wonder if there's anyone in this place that would say, God, I give up control. Your will be done in my life. Now, does that mean you don't go to work tomorrow because you're like, God, I guess it just wasn't your will. You know, I just, they didn't pay me this week. I didn't do much, but you know, no, it doesn't, it's not a hall pass to be like lazy. It's not a hall pass to do stupid things and to make poor choices. But if you want to know God's will for your life, you start with the word of God. It's very clear. One of the things that are a part of his will as we get ready to close is just be thankful in all circumstances. Just be thankful, the Bible says. That is the will of God, for you to be thankful in all circumstances. That's just one. Well, you can read it for yourself and find all kinds of directions for your life and get wisdom from God, and he'll begin to unveil things as you walk with him. The timer's going off from the worship team. That's them saying, you need to hurry up, Pastor, and close in prayer. So... With that said, would you stand for closing prayer all across this place this morning? With every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to pray a prayer for those of you who are here today that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have not, um, you don't know where you stand with God. And so I want to make sure that you leave this place with an opportunity to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven and set free of your sin. And he's the only one who do it. He's the only way to heaven. You cannot get to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved. And if you're not sure if you're saved or you would like to have the assurance and the hope of heaven and eternity in God's presence and you would like God's Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you and change you from the inside out, I'd love to lead you in a prayer this morning. But I need to know who I'm praying for. There's no one looking around. I don't want to embarrass you today, but I'm asking that you would be bold enough to at least right now in this moment, lift a hand if, you, if you'd like to pray this prayer. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. You can put it down once you lift it. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome, all over this place, hands were lifted. And here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my place. The cross, I deserve that. That was my debt that you paid. And I thank you for your blood. I thank you for your sacrifice. I ask, Lord, right now that you would change me from the inside out through the power of your Holy Spirit. Come and live and, and be my Lord and my Savior my leader, my God, I give up control right now. I surrender my life to you. And from this day forward, I wanna follow you all the days of my life. 
for everyone else in this place. Lord, we surrender our will to your will. Let your will be done in our life. Lord, as we follow you each and every day, I pray that you would uh, give us more wisdom as we read your word, God, that you would develop the character that needs to be developed. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Although we don't even deserve it, you're too wonderful for words. And we just thank you for your presence, Lord, that goes before us. We thank you that you're behind us and that you walk with us. We praise you, Jesus, for all that you're doing in your name. And all God's people say, amen. Let's sing this out this morning. Let's just worship the Lord for two minutes.